The second reading is taken from John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. And that can be found on page 1066 in the chair behind you. Okay, so just be... So that's John 3, 16, verses tw- uh, 3, 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. This is the word of the Lord. Sorry about that. That might make it easier for the people on the desk to work it. Good. So, it's so lovely to be back, and it's so lovely to be able to be here and talk about uh, living a life of love and to think about uh, that theme verse that we started this year with all that time ago. We thought that 2020... Can we get the slides up, James? Um, That we thought that 2020 would be uh, an ordinary year. We had lots of plans for it. We had lots of things that we were going to do in it, but it all changed, didn't it? Now we've got uh, a new thing to uh, get sorted. Let me see. I'm trying to work it from here, but it's not working. There's bound to be a few um, hiccups this morning. So we thought that when this COVID crisis started, it would be a time that would last perhaps a couple of weeks or a month, uh, and then we'd get back to normal. There was lots of talk amongst church leaders that this was a bit like a reset button. When you, reset button. When you get your computer and it goes wrong, you press the reset button, and it goes back to its original functions. And we thought this time off and away from busy and frantic life would allow us to readjust and get back to normal. But then, what happened? The virus was trickier and sneakier than we expected. There were people who didn't show any signs at all that were spreading it all around. There were doctors and nurses who knew how to protect themselves who were still getting infected, and some of them were dying. 
this wasn't going to be a local battle. It's turned into a world war. And our government responded, didn't it? They found the money to pay people not to work. They found the money to put all the homeless people into hospitals. They even found the money to send us out to eat in restaurants, to help it, to eat out, to help out, uh, which was great for us because we had a couple of holidays in August. And as long as you found the right place that was signed up to the scheme and you accepted you're only going to get £10 off per person on any particular meal, you were very happy. We adapted in order to cope with the virus. There was a, a Scottish minister uh, this week who said the only weapon we have against the virus is how we behave. Until we get a vaccine, the only weapon we have is how we behave. We have to adapt our behavior in order to defeat the virus. We have to do that. We have to make sure that we adapt so that we can win this war, so that we can beat this foe. For our summer holiday this year, we didn't want to go abroad, so we went up to Scotland, and I got to visit uh, Stirling, and uh, this photo was obviously taken before the restrictions. Um, we got to visit Stirling, where the Scots had two battles in which they defeated bigger English forces. The first one was under William Wallace, and they got pike pit men with pikes, long sticks with sharp pointy bits at the end, to put their pikes into the ground so that when the English cavalry charged at them, although they were bigger and stronger and better armed, they couldn't get through the pikes and the English were defeated. Then Robert the Bruce took over and 17 years later the English came back and they had an even bigger army. And Robert the Bruce adapted the tactics and he got the men with the pikes to move forward in formations so that they could defeat the knights, so that they could disrupt them. The knights thought they'd worked out how to get round the pikes. The pikes started moving and by adapting they managed to defeat their foe. So I know this isn't quite living a life of love at this point, but the reason I'm talking about this is that in a battle, in a war, you have to adapt to survive. You have to adapt to win. You have to adapt to overcome your enemy. And one of the things this COVID is making us think about is how we do church. And we have to adapt as church in order to overcome. Because we've got big enemies out there who are saying that the Christian faith is no more than a fairy tale. And one of the things that COVID-19 has forced us to do is to think about how we do church and how we adapt to overcome. So we need to adapt. We need to wear face masks and um, make sure that we follow all the rules. We need to settle into a new way of doing church. We need to sign up each Sunday so that we can make sure we've got a space for everybody because we can't have as many people as we usually did. And we need to sit away from one another and not sing in quite the same way as we used to. Sing quietly behind our masks instead. We need to adapt, but in doing that, we need to make sure that we don't miss the message. And we don't change our fundamental faith. We need to build on firm foundations. And so our sermon series for the next few weeks is going to be talking about what those foundations are for our church as we work to build God's kingdom. And it all starts with love. That's what our 
key verse for this whole year was about. Let's live a life of love just as Christ loved us. Let's go on, James. Let's live a life of love. The foundation has got to be love. This week, we went down to see this uh, big landing craft that's just arrived, a D-Day landing craft. I don't know if you've seen it. It's arrived just near the D-Day Museum down on the seafront. And we went down. It had already been there a week because we were away, so it took us a while to get back. And we went down, and there was a whole team of men working on it a week after it had arrived in order to make sure that the foundations that the landing craft sit on are safe and secure. They have been working for a whole week to make sure that that's there because foundations are important. There's no point building something if the foundations aren't right. So we need to make sure that our foundations as we build as a church are right. And we must remember that the biggest foundation that we build upon is love. That's what our passage said. Live a life of love. That's what John's gospel says, isn't it? It was because of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It all starts with love. So if we move on, James, um, let's go on to the next one. Love is the motive. Love is the message. And love is the means. Love is the motive for all that we do. Just as it was God's motive in sending his son, just as it was Jesus' motive as he hung on the cross. Jesus died for us because he loved us. That was the motive for all that Jesus did. And then love is the message because that's the message that we need to get out into the world, isn't it? That God loves you. And there's lots of messages that people hear in their heads that God doesn't love them, that he's out to catch them out, that he's out to... I used to have a picture of God, I've said this before, but um, probably not on Facebook, that I used to have a picture of God being like a head teacher who was always after me to catch me out, to find me doing something naughty, because when I was young, I always was doing something naughty. So I had this image that God was always there waiting to catch me out. And I missed this idea that God is love, that God is there as a loving father who wants us to grow and develop into the people that we can be. And then love is the means. Love is the way that we do church. Love is the way that we interact with the world. Not through judgment or calling people names or calling people out on things, but by loving them. That's how we work. Jesus could have called down legions of angels to defeat the devil and the forces against him. But instead he chose love. He chose love. And he died on a cross. The biggest, most amazing act of love that history has ever seen. We are called to live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us. So what does this look like practically? That's a great thing to say, isn't it? Let's live a life of love. But what does it mean practically? How do we put this into action well, we're going to be thinking about six different aspects of church life that help us to live a life of love in these next few weeks. So first, there's our relationship with God above through worship and prayer. Those two things allow us to be in a right relationship, to respond to his love and to send love back to God because in a relationship of love you can't it can't be a one-way thing you can't just have love flowing one way it has to 
flow round and back and out and through. So we need to be involved in worship and prayer. We need to be involved in community and discipleship. And then we need to be involved in ministry and witness that faces us out into the world. And we do these in three places. We do these in three ways as a church. If we go on to the next one. We do it as what was called the ecclesia, the gathered church together. That's why it's just such a joy to have everybody back in church today. Because we gather in order to do things that make a big impact. And this is where we find that energy that sends us out into, that, into the world. We do it as a big church. We do it as a, a, as a household. That word oikos is the Greek word for the household. The small group, the family where you do life together and people know you for who you are in a much more deep and intimate way. You know, you ask, I could stand up here and tell you lots of good things that I've done in my life. You ask my wife and my family, my children, what, what sort of things I've done in my life, you'll get a more realistic picture. We need people around us who can tell us how we're doing and what we're doing, whether it's right and wrong and be accountable and be together. So we've got our oikos, our ecclesia, our oikos. But then as individuals, we need to take responsibility for our journey of faith. As methetas, as disciples, we need to be following Jesus. So in all of those three places, we need to engage with all of these six ways of being involved with church. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at these building blocks. If we go on to the next one, we're going to be looking at awesome worship and passionate prayer. What do those mean for us as a church? What do they mean for us in our families? What do they mean for us as individuals? We need to be passionate people. We need to be involved in awesome worship. And then we need to think about how we can be, if we go on to the next one, creative community. Because the world needs community, and that's what it's missed in lockdown, hasn't it? And we've been creative in forming community across Zoom meetings and through phone calls and sending out um, little uh, booklets of what's been going on in church. We've been creative in our community. We need to go on being creative in the ways we do community. And we need to be committed in our discipleship, committed in building up together our lives together. And then we need to be, as we move on, transforming, involved in transforming ministry. And that's going to look different for everybody, isn't it? Because we can't all do the same things. Uh, but we can all be involved in serving God and finding ways to minister in his name. We're all called to serve him and do things in his way. And then we're all called to be faithful witnesses to God. Because we all have a message to proclaim, a message of love. And as we do the ministry, often we get opportunities to send out the message, to witness to who God is. All of this because we're called to live a life of love just as Christ loved us. This week, I was reminded of a story about this man. This man's called Alfred. He was an inventor, an engineer, and a chemist. And in 1888, Alfred's brother Ludwig died. But a French newspaper published an obituary that they'd prepared for Alfred. So his brother Ludwig had died, but the French paper, the editor, messed up and they published Alfred's obituary. 
And this is what it said. The merchant of death is dead. Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Alfred Nobel had invented dynamite, and people had used that to blow each other up. And he realized, in reading his obituary, how he would be remembered. But he took that opportunity, he took that chance to change the way that he was remembered, because when he died, he gave the equivalent of a quarter of a billion pounds to set up the Nobel Prizes. And so now, Alfred Nobel is remembered more often for perhaps the Nobel Peace Prize than being the merchant of death. He'd been given the chance to evaluate his life and he changed the way that history remembered him. The reality is we all get just one life. There is no rehearsal. This is it. And sometimes it gets disrupted or interrupted by things like this coronavirus. But we all have a choice about how we should live, how we can live. And we need to adapt to overcome the challenges that we face. And we need to build our lives on firm foundations. Jesus told a story about that, didn't he? Build your house upon the rock. We need to build our lives on firm foundations. Because the reality is, when we die, it's unlikely that we, are be, that we will be the ones who write out what goes on our tombstones. Somebody else will do that for us. And when our tombstones get written, written, wouldn't it be good if they said, he or she, insert your name here, lived a life of love? I think that's what I want on my tombstone. <laughs> he lived a life of love. We get a choice in this life, how we live. And we need to choose to do what God wants us to do, to choose to live a life of love just as Jesus loved us. In these strange times, we can still make that choice. So let's make that choice to live a life of love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that out of your love, you gave Jesus into our world so that we might find forgiveness and a new future. Help us all to live a life of love so that we can know the love and joy and peace that comes only from you through your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.